The Paternity Test is a comedy podcast for adults. If you're not a grown-up, get off the internet. It's a horrible place. From Illinois and New York, it's the Paternity Test. This week, Todd and the dads remember Todd's father, Bob. And now, here are the dads. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Paternity Test. I'm Todd Jay in the Chicago suburbs. I'm Matt Barazzi in Chicago. And I'm Dave Engel in upstate New York. Welcome back to the only podcast that doesn't own a copy of Adele's new album. Oh yeah. Oh. Hey, we Three. called it. It's not streaming, right? You have to you have to buy it. You have to buy it, right? You got to go to her house and get it. You have to go mm-hmm. to her house. You have to bring a tape recorder to her house and she'll sing it and she'll let you tape it, but it has to be on cassette. Mhm. No, we called it. She it, it turns out she was in fact or she it looks like she will be the most purchased on physical media performer of the decade of this decade i don't know what those numbers come you know how those numbers but what is that previous decades but does that matter in terms of no i mean a dollar's a dollar yeah i guess um, so it just tells you something about who's listening and she's the most popular she's actually beating taylor swift for the most popular like the most common denominator person of the decade because mm-hmm. teenagers love her really? but the record sales show that moms love her so like the bootleg <laughs> groban Tony mm-hmm. Bennett crowd, you know, they, yeah. they, are, they are buying the heck out of that. I do think it says something about physical media because it means people are willing to go out, like to leave their their chair, their fat seat, and go and get her album. Or right? order it on Amazon and stay in your fat seat. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but it's, I guess causing, so. it's causing a stirring in mm-hmm. the long, desolate innards of people who no longer feel a stirring. <laughs> sure. <laughs> You know, young people, they hear music and they're like, that music is my soul. It reflects who I am. I must purchase it now. A grown-up, you're like, music? I don't know. I used to like music when I was 20. Uh, right. I forget why. <laughs> right. Most people who are over the age of 35 purchase it but not knowing why. They're just like, did you buy an Adele CD? It popped up on our Amazon. I don't <laughs> think I did. But it. you wrote a review. It says you love it. <laughs> I I guess maybe I did that. I don't know, honey. You changed oh, your profile I'm... picture on Facebook <laughs> to the album cover. <laughs> really? I did? Jeez. The YouTube it's just it's just our YouTube feed <laughs> is just a bunch of Adele channels. <laughs> I'm starting to feel bad for Tony Bennett. Because it's Christmas, so that means you're going to see him in every commercial and every CD is going to be a Tony Bennett CD. Yeah. But he's yeah. now to that age, like when you, you look at pictures of you with your great-grandparents and they're so old that their eyes don't focus <laughs> on anything in pictures. And so they're There's, like propping yeah. him up against Lady Gaga, which is like the last phase in an aging pop performer's career is when they start having them perform alongside bands that are healthier. Like sure. Johnny Cash's last like four albums were covers of Nine Inch Nails. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where Tony <laughs> Bennett is. It's him in a Target ad with Lady Gaga. You know, I think that even the corpse of an old crooner knows all the words to the songs. Mm-hmm. But I'm right. sure if you had to have a conversation with him, he's just kind of confused and wonders where, you know, how he wandered out of the home. He's got those wet eyes, those wet <laughs> eyes that like the, the bags underneath them just look like they're filled with tears. <laughs> 
I really it's can't moist. stay. I forgot to die. How old is he? 80s? 85, 90? He's got to be in within five years of dying or less. He must have lived a clean-ish life for a crooner for of that era. what he did, yeah. For what he yeah. did and when he did it. Yeah. I mean, how is he not? Because how, like, how old would, how old would uh, some of those other guys be now? I mean, he was a little younger than them, right? He wasn't as old as... He is younger than Sinatra and Dean Martin and those guys, but he must not have partied like them, right? So Sinatra died and he was 81, and he died in the 90s. He would have been close to 100. There's no way he would have If only there were some sort of searchable database of all human knowledge. (laughs) Dean Martin was born in 1917 and died in 95. Rod Stewart Tony. was born in 1918. But nobody told him. His hair wasn't born until like uh, in the 70s. Uh, yeah, I think his hair is born again every couple of years, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Our man Tony was born in 1926. So he's 10 years younger than Dean Martin, but still alive a lot longer. Well, 20 years since Dean Martin died. Yeah, so he's ten years older than Dean Martin was when Dean. He's eighty nine right now. Dean Martin Tony. loved pills. I thought he loved booze. No, I that was he... kind of a myth until the very end. He loved uh, Percodan. Mm, really? Percodan. Who doesn't love Percodan? I mean, right? What is Percodan, Percodan is the Adele of pharmaceuticals. <laughs> hey, honey, uh, I just got on Amazon. <laughs> And says somebody bought a box of Percodan. Really? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you uh, uh? Did you change our profile picture? Well, to Dean Martin. No, Percodan. Oh yeah, that was me. I'm sorry. All right. I don't know. Want some? Yeah. Why not? Everybody loves Percodan. I want to look up Percodan. Percodan. Oxycodone. Percodan mm-hmm. contains the same. Combination of aspirin and oxycodone. Oxycodone is an opioid that kills lots of people. (laughs) Yeah, he liked the good stuff. Well, guys, um, we've been a a little sporadic with some of the episodes coming out. And and I know, Matt, you said some things on social media recently about it. But my my dad passed away a little over, I guess... I guess it was a little over a week ago. So obviously I was not available to record and do episodes. So that's a part of the reason why we're a little bit behind. But he was 63. A little young for dying. More than um, a little young. And if you yeah. – uh, if you, actually, if you listen to the show for some time, we've had him on. We've mm-hmm. like had a call with him on Yeah, because uh, he's got the Todd accent. Yes. And he's, he's, always good for a, he's always good for a laugh. He's a fun-loving, clever guy. And he's been – Unexpectedly and oh, how would you how would you say it? Um, deceptively ill. Yeah, for he a was while. Very good at kind of hiding what was going on, and but he had a host of things. I don't want to say a host, but a, a number of things that kind of combined. The, the least, the, the the biggest of which in 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 uh, the most recent one was was skin cancer that had kind of spread into lymph nodes, which is never a good thing. But they didn't think it was as serious as you know enough for him to just die so suddenly. But I think he had this rheumatoid arthritis. He had he'd been out of you know he had to go on disability in his fifties because he had such severe rheumatoid arthritis, 
And uh, so he was taking these injections or infusions for the arthritis, which lowers your immune system. Anyway, I feel like that, you know, once you have cancer and no immune system, it's kind of a recipe for disaster. (laughs) And I'm sure doctors did everything they could, but nothing was typical for him. And he was really good at kind of talking his way out of doctors being as concerned because he he had a huge, super high pain tolerance. Most doctors, whenever he had anything wrong with him that was a pain issue, they were so... Uh, they were just shocked at that. He's like, well, how are you even standing right now? Or, you know, stuff like that. I would hear these stories from. So how long has that arrow been in your shoulder, Bob? Yeah. Arrow? <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Obviously a big shock to all of us. He was a, a great guy, a, you know, a great friend, a great role model. What I always admired about him, he was the quickest wit of anyone I'd ever seen. Out of any of our other relatives or friends, he was the first one to have a, a, a witty comeback on and in any situation, whether it needed one or not. And 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 I always admire that about him. You know how intelligent he was and how quick he was. You know the hardest part about all this. You know this is a parenting podcast. Hardest part was telling my kids, and especially my son. Him and my dad were especially close. They bonded over sports. They loved. Uh, you know they would text and talk uh, on the phone. Oftentimes more than I talked to my dad, my son would talk to him, you know, talk about bears and they talk about Blackhawks. They talk about Notre Dame football. And so that was really tough letting him know. And, you know, he took it as well as you'd expect. A 13 year old would take it, I guess. Very, he was very upset. But well, I'll tell you, he wrote a message on social media that absolutely blew my mind, like a thoughtful post. And did he tell you he was going to write that or did you just stumble I no, across it? I didn't it? see it. It was like a day after he posted it. He did it on his own. The next morning, you know, he I, I he uses Instagram. I don't. I have Instagram. I don't really use it, so I didn't see it. You know, I have it to stalk him to make sure you know he's not posting anything you know inappropriate, <laughs> or that none of, his, none of his friends are putting anything inappropriate you know that that he's a part of. So anyway, so I don't. I'm not on it every day, so I didn't even know he did it. The rest of us are posting you know things about my dad on Facebook. He put something on, on Instagram. We see it a day later. So it was yeah. I was very proud of him for being able to kind of express that. And actually, my stepmother was so touched by it that she had my brother, who's a printer, print it up, you know, on a larger board, and that was actually part of the memorial. Uh, well, there's there's definitely a, an obvious message there, like at the funeral last night, last night? Two nights ago. Two nights ago. That uh, clearly your dad was a great dad. And everybody at the place and everybody who spoke and everybody who was talking talked about what just a great, like, lovable, upbeat, caring person he was. And obviously you are also that person because you've got a thoughtful son capable of writing something that emotionally sober and introspective at, what is he, 12 years old? Uh, 13. 13 years old. So there's a lineage of good parenting going. You know, people listen to the show and they say, uh, hey, you guys are really funny and also you sound like great dads. And I say, Really? Because uh, that's that's a, that's a new one by me. But, I don't know uh, about that. <laughs> I, don't, I think you have poor listening comprehension. But I don't know. Clearly, your dad was a great dad, and clearly, you're a great dad because you got a great great kid. I lost my grandparents when I was the same age as my kids, so I kind of know you know how weird it was for my nine ten year old who you know about to turn ten years old who doesn't quite grasp everything that's happening. I remember that when my grandmother died, my dad's mom. And I didn't realize, I, I didn't do the math in my head until after I was, you know, thinking about my dad and stuff. Uh, you know, I was in third grade when my grandmother died, his mom. And I, so then I did the math and I'm like, holy crap, he was only 33 when his mom died. Yeah. It's really young to lose your mom. I think she was in her 60s. She was probably around his age. 
God. You know, and he was, and then he was only 37 when his, or 30, yeah, 37, three years later, four years later, he was 38, or, or yeah, uh, he was 37 when his dad died. So he lost his parents really young, you know. So did my stepmother, even younger than that. She was in high school or whatever when her when her mom died, and that much older than when her dad died. So I think we might be the first generation that's appalled by those numbers. Yeah, like I feel like we're the first generation. I don't even know that it's a bad thing, but like who need our parent? Well, one financially because the mm. world's a mess, but like emotionally need our parents way yeah. into adulthood. Has that ever been true before? I mean, everybody needs their parent. Like yeah, needs everybody wants their parents. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if any generation is so connected to, close to, attached to, and reliant upon their parents for their emotional existence as our generation and down. Which is funny because we don't live by our parents like like people right. used to. Used to live in the same town, you know, or the next. Maybe you'd move one town over, mm-hmm. but you were still physically a lot closer. True. Think, uh, now, I mean, there's everyone. They move somewhere. Most people are moved somewhere far, you know, where they're not in the same town as their parents anymore. But, but yeah, I do feel like we stay a lot more connected to them, you know. Well, yeah, it's that lack of proximity that draws you to make more connections, I suppose. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's like how a long-term relationship is easy to stay in. Right. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Familiarity breeds contempt. <laughs> well, I mean, you could say that, our genera- that we're a bunch of dumb babies and mm-hmm. we need to grow up, but mm-hmm. I think it's more that... I don't know. I think our relationships are more emotionally healthy than previous generations. Yeah, I think so too. I think so well, too. we certainly understand. There's, I, I guarantee you, there's fewer people crying at their father's funerals these days because they didn't know their fathers. You know what I right. mean? Mm-hmm. Than than 50 years ago or mm-hmm. 20 or 30 years ago. I think it's you know probably more the case where people know who their parents really are and under because I think we're just very much more. We're much more educated about marriage and about the what goes into a good one or a bad one and how they can fall apart or stay together and what it takes and and that yeah and that breeds you know an understanding of your parents and who they are and what they've gone through and yeah I think it allows us to either get along very well or have a very good understanding of why we hate them right you know, one of the two <laughs> <laughs> well. Um- you know, so we just did this the services on Monday, and um, you know, my dad certainly is not the type of guy that would want people standing around crying, you know, all day about him, and or for multiple days at least. So he, him, and my stepmother had talked about, you know, they didn't think this would happen. None of us did, but they at least did talk about it at some point. And uh, he didn't want a big service in terms of uh, multiple days. He didn't want like a visitation one day, funeral the next day, no church involved. You know, he grew up Catholic. He was an altar boy and everything, but he's of that gen- he, he has not been to church genuinely since he was probably a kid. So anyway, so we just had a very simple just visitation for like five hours and then a short service uh, with a priest that my dad volunteered at a hospital and uh, the priest that would be at that hospital a lot, you know, giving last rites and visiting, you know, visiting the sick or whatever. So him and my dad got to know each other a little bit through that. My brother and I are there and my stepmother and other relatives, too. But we were there, you know, the entire time, you know, from a 2 p.m. to a 7 p.m. service. We got there at 1, really, to, you know, for just the, f- the close family to get some things ready and be there. And so it gets to be a long, a long day and people coming through. And I think at some point, my brother and I were both a little just like so exhausted and everything that all we could do at that point was kind of make some jokes or whatever. 
someone sure. would come in and and you know that hadn't seen my brother in a long time and say something like, "Oh well, Corey, you're looking well," and and you know we're standing next to the casket with my dad in it, and and uh, you know my brother <laughs> he'd say, "Well, I'm doing better than that guy over there." <laughs> And of course, my brother and I are, are think it's funny. My dad would think it's hilarious. My dad would would have said it first. I mean, you know, he he could find a joke in any situation, and he you know, so he would not be offended by that whatsoever. But of course, to my brother and I, who have been who are on our fourth or fifth hour of standing there, shaking hands with people that we hadn't seen in twenty years, and people that you know, friends and long lost friends and family, and it was great to see everybody that was there. But at the same time, we'd been doing it for such a long time. So for us at that point, the joke was we needed it. But the person who had just walked in, <laughs> and, you know, was a little bit taken aback because, of course, they just walked in and they're, you know, they're about to walk up and, and grieve over my father. Right. Yeah. You've been in six hours of hardcore <laughs> grief and a week of getting ready. A, a week of getting ready. ready. Yeah, yeah. And they're, uh, they've had about, you know, from the, from the time they got out of the car to walking up to you yeah. to, to be in shock, really. Mm-hmm. And nervous, you know how you're nervous when you go to talk oh, to the family. Yeah. The right, teams, you're you know? they're preparing what they're going to say to you mm-hmm. and how they're not going to say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, being on the other side of it now, like I realize they're really as being you know a, a close family member on the other side. I've been to funerals, and again, I've, I'm that person who's like, I don't know what to say. Do I say I'm so sorry? Do I say I don't know what to say? And and I realize that there's no wrong thing to say. Like no one could have said anything. I mean, I guess they could have really said something wrong. But as long as whatever you say is honest and whatever you say is, you know, it's fine. I Half the time, you know, a lot of it kind of goes by in a blur anyway. So keep it simple. You know, I'd say I advise people to don't you don't need to go into a long thing about, you know, this and that and how sorry and I did this or you I wish you could. You know, it's really at that point, uh, give a hug, shake a hand, say I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, it's fine. It's a get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Let me keep nope. this brief. I just got here this morning from Vietnam. We're half brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for our loss. Uh, but uh, I always found it weird. I always found it weird when people would block the line. When people would stand there. That happened a lot on Monday. And tell a story. That happened a lot. And they didn't realize guess, they were doing it, I don't think. They thought maybe people yeah. would go around them. But I'm like, you realize you're standing in the receiving line. Like people are going to come. Like people would come up, and there was someone in there that was like, you know, a friend of the family. They're not the kind of person that would be in a receiving line. And people started coming up to them and like shaking hands with them, you know, like they were part of the receiving line. But they were just standing there because they didn't right. know better to move. Comes a a bottleneck. <laughs> it did. Yeah, we did have yeah. some bottlenecking going on, and you know, things came in waves too because. People get out of work around the same times or they, you know. So anyway, there would just be waves of people and then maybe slow down a little bit and then more waves. I'd never been to a, a funeral service where or, or a memorial where so many people got fed. Now, there was food out. And normally for these things, there's food out for the family that's there for seven hours. I swear every person that came through also had a plate of food. Now, they didn't bring it necessarily into the, into in the, the line. Into the line. No. <laughs> But I think they, they would come in, they'd go through the line, they'd come loop back around, go back out to the lobby, grab a plate of food, and then come back in and, like, then, like, mingle some more. Because of where the – in this particular funeral home where the food was placed, it was right out in the open. And inside. I don't know. I've never eaten the food at a funeral that, you know, unless I was the immediate <laughs> family. And these are, like, everybody. It was like a buffet out there. I walked out there once or twice to grab, <laughs> grab a nosh. I'm like – 
going on out here? And it was kind of, again, my dad would have no problem with it. He's like, whatever, stay, eat, have fun. Yeah. This is what hey, I want. Eat my food. Yeah. Eat the food, you know. And it it's got to Jewish the point where someone too. actually ordered more food. Like, someone came up to me, a friend of the family. Like, I'm going to order some pizzas. I'm like, order some pizzas? What are we doing here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> where do you want the kegs, Todd? Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, I don't think there's going to be enough food. I'm like, for everybody. And and at that point, I was just like, Yeah, you do whatever you want. Like they, at someone else said to me, accept any help that anyone offers. Like just say okay. Like you know. And so go ahead, order. And so they ordered some pizzas, and it was good. It, well, it was such a Southside thing. It was amazing. Well, I, I, Every... was, I actually did think about you. It's funny because you were you, you were there and and in the back of the room. Your dad came too, which is very sweet, and uh, and and also awkward because they're the he's the same age as my dad, and he just yeah, he, they're, the, the, same they're age. the same age. And so uh, I'm sure that was weird for him too to see a you know guy that he's hung out with and had dinners with and meals with and be in that <laughs> be in a gasket next to him. You know that that's his age, so that's got to be a bit bit shocking but anyway well, i'm hoping it'll keep him on top of his blood sugar for at least a month it scared straight a little bit i mean i'll tell you i it scared me straight a little bit i mean that's my i feel like everything about me comes from him more than you know i my, my genes of are, are more his than my mom's side and so knowing his health conditions and things that went wrong and whatever it's terrified me a little bit and it scared me straight a little bit here so yeah. who knows maybe uh things can uh I can take a little better care of myself for my own kids, uh, and that's certainly a part of the part of the plan moving forward. Well, during the actual service, you know, but, you know, people were going up and talking and stuff, and I thought I, I did think about you because Mike uh, Matt has got to love hearing all these Southside guys walk up and talk. Unbelievable! You know? <laughs> I knew my dad would fit right in because there because there were I knew there'd be so many. There's, I've never seen so many unironic mustaches outside of a police event. <laughs> and uh, I walk in, and everybody's got a shaved head or a bald head and a mustache. Everybody's five eight. Everybody's got crack as hams for hands, and uh, everybody's got a thick these that those. And everybody looked like your dad. Yeah, like I mean, obviously his brother looks like him. You look like him, but the priest looked like him. Everybody, uh-huh. with the exception of the fact that your brother Corey's what ten foot fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> um, Everybody else looked exactly. It looked like that scene in Being John Malkovich, where they're in John mm-hmm. Malkovich's head, and everybody's John Malkovich, mm-hmm. and everybody was your dad. And even my dad said something. I could tell he was like hemming and hawing around making a some kind of. He was like, "Oh, I was at the funeral. It was really nice." And then he and he said, uh, I, "I didn't notice everybody looked like Bob," and it kept kind of freaking me out because I kept running into Bob. Oh, and yeah. the the priest gets up and he's like, uh, "We're here to memorialize Bob." And read from the Book of Lamentations, and then he says, "And now, Bob's cousin Rick is going to give up, get up, and uh, give a eulogy." And Rick gets up and he says, "And hey, I'm here to remember my cousin Bob." And that just keeps happening, and everybody looks the same. Yeah. Uh, oh, it was fantastic. It was. Fa- oh, and as if that wasn't enough, an actual Butkus walked into the room. Yeah, Zach Butkus was there, an old family friend, and uh, uh, it was good to see him. And did you? Uh, were you there? Did you see him? No, he, I was. I came after him. You came after him. Someone actually thought that. So you know the size of my brother. Someone, someone commented, wanted to know if he was a professional wrestler, and I think it was the same time that Zach Butkus was there because they. He is also a huge guy. He, he's tall like my brother and and big. He's a little more cut than my brother and muscular in terms of you know a little less uh, body fat around the muscle. 
And so when you put those two next to each other, it looks like a WWE match is about to go down. And uh, and someone asked if my brother – because there's a couple of pictures where my brother's wearing like a uh, – what is it? Oh, like the, a luchador mask. Luchador mask, yeah, like the wrestling mask. And because uh, he, you know, him and my dad got a Bears one and a, and a Green Bay one, you know, for fun. And uh, so they're wearing them in a couple of pictures that we had up. And they thought maybe that was his, you know, I guess they thought maybe that was his character. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it was, it was very, it was very much a Southside funeral or a Southside memorial. Um, Pretty great. You know, it actually and, made the it made the because the eulogies were very good eulogies, like they were well written, thoughtful eulogies. But the addition of the like salt of the earth accent made it that much more heartbreaking because mm-hmm. it felt like I don't know real human sentiment. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't I don't I don't know I I think that makes sense, right? That, that yeah. makes but, complete sense, right? Yeah. And in a few months, or probably probably when the weather turns back to spring, we can kind of be outside. And, you know, I guess my dad's last request was to have a, a big party, and that's uh, what we'll do. We're gonna get together and, and have another South Side party, and in his honor, we'll set off some fireworks and uh, <laughs> point some bottle rockets at the neighbors, stuff like that, like we used to do. <laughs> there were jokes about the the Chicago Heights fireworks. fireworks. I don't think we'll be able to go <laughs> back there again, though. It was a disaster this last time around. Just about a riot broke out, but uh, and uh, you know now you find your new normal, right? You just find the new normal. I'm not the first guy to lose a parent. I'm certainly not going to be the last. And uh, you know, you turn on the news and see that I still have it pretty good, you know, for myself yeah. and my family. So it's very unfortunate, but uh, you know, we're fortunate to have had him in our family. I've learned a lot from the guy. That's for sure. Hey man, uh, who gets the DVDs? America wants to know. Oh, I'll tell you what. I was going through his CD and DVD collection, which is enormous, eclectic, and unnecessary. <laughs> um, something's going to have to happen with those. But who's going to buy every made-for-sci-fi network movie that came out on DVD, You know, every season of Battlestar Galactica? What was the, the old TV show in the 80s about the uh, Texas Ranger, Walker, Texas oh, Ranger? Oh, Walker, Texas Ranger. That was on every, for like 20 years. Every season of Walker, Texas Ranger on DVD. I, I feel like you're talking to a core demographic. And uh, <laughs> so I guess maybe we'll have an estate sale and <laughs> we can make thousands on DVDs. It's your birthright, man. That Tower Records <laughs> that he's got I could in open his basement it, yeah. is your – I could you, open a Tower Records. You can't, uh, you can't sell that. I can't – no, I can't. I, that's not me. I mean I love my dad. But that was always one thing I never got about him is his obsession with, with owning DVDs and CDs. <laughs> I think you owe it to your father to watch every minute of film that he <laughs> had on DVD. Gosh, I couldn't because he, he loved everything, good <laughs> or bad. He had a reason that he liked it. I don't know what's going to happen with all that. I mean, it's, there's no way that my stepmother will want to hang on to that forever. And I don't blame her. I mean, it's clutter. And who, who puts a DVD in, honestly? When's the time you went and go, you know what? I want to go grab one of my old DVDs and watch it. I'm going right, you know, to go pop in high, high Fidelity, you know, the DVD and, and watch that. Like, what, who does that? Other 60-year-olds. Yeah, I guess so. Other 60-year-olds. Yeah, I guess. Or people under seven. Yeah, we have little kids we have do DVDs, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They love it. Disney Princess yeah. sing-alongs and uh, yeah. copies of The Magnificent Seven. That's what still exists on DVD. Well, my dad's got them both. You've done all of them. Uh, Love you, Dad. 
Hey, folks, you already shop on Amazon. Why not put those dollars to work keeping this show on the air? You can do it by using the Amazon portal on the support page at paternitypodcast.com. You go to the webpage for the show, paternitypodcast.com. You click on support the show, and then you type in what you're looking for into the Amazon window. It's just a big old box. It says Amazon. You click on it. Amazon pops up. You do your shopping. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to, you know, make a paternity podcast account. You don't have to pay extra. You just click on a button that says Amazon and then buy stuff on Amazon. You can use your Prime and Amazon sends us a portion of their profits and we use that to pay for this show. Christmas is coming, boys. You guys uh, buying anything on Amazon? My wife was uh, looking at Elf on the Shelf. She's like, we got to get an Elf on the Shelf. No, shut that down right now. Well, I didn't know what it was. I'd heard about it from last year a little bit, but I couldn't remember. And I was like, oh, I heard about this thing. It comes with a book, and it comes with this puny little scrawny little guy with pointy ears and a red outfit. And it's just a way to make 30 bucks. It's a brilliant way to make 30 bucks because essentially you are putting an elf on a shelf to watch your children. But it's so uh, much – it's become so much more than that that and which is why I hate it. If all you did was put this elf on the shelf and read the book to your kids one night and then and then that was it and it sat there till Christmas, uh, you know, I could tolerate that, I suppose. First of all, those elves th- this whole thing was created in like two thousand four by some and it was someone's Christmas tradition before before that. It was their Christmas tradition, but but in two thousand four is when they wrote the book and decided to market it, this whole thing. Jeez. But those elves my grandparents had those elves in the 70s and 80s. Uh-huh. Like they would just like sit on their tree. Yeah, the design of that elf I feel like I'm familiar with since always. Yeah, we always had them and they would – their arms, their hands were like together permanently and they would – you could tuck their knees into their hands like they were hugging their knees. And I just remember my grandparents had them around the house and I always thought they were creepy and weird. But they didn't – I never knew any story behind them at the time in the 70s and 80s. They never told us what they were. They were just elves. They didn't call them anything. They weren't – there for any specific reason but but i hate it because the premise of it i kind of don't like that that it's like a nanny you're only gonna be like a teddy bear with the that your kids are gonna be good because you're gonna spy on them for 30 days but also now the fact that you need to every day you need to do something different with this elf it's not just sitting on the shelf it's got to get into mischief so you have to go and pose it every night when the kids go to bed you have to pose it into a different position so when the kids wake up, they run around the house, try to look for the elf and see what naughty things he's gotten into. And I don't or know like why the elf – wrap his arms around a bottle of Jack yes. or you put a cigarette in his hand or yeah. – Yeah, <laughs> and I don't understand why a, an elf that's there to make sure you're being good is running around your house being bad. doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any sense. But, Dave, I know you don't go on Facebook anymore. But Facebook Putting a handgun is... in their book bag. <laughs> Facebook is lousy with Elf on the Shelf this time of year because everyone's taking pictures of what they're doing with oh, them, and I and stupid. and I just dislike it so much. One, who wants to spend thirty nights in December from Thanksgiving to December? I don't know when you're supposed to start it. So twenty five, twenty four nights rearranging this Elf into something <laughs> mischievous every night, and then what happens when you forget? Because we know that I would go to bed and forget, and then the next day the kids are like, but the Elf didn't move. Isn't it enough in this world? (laughs) Isn't it enough that you lie to your children and tell them that Santa's watching them from somewhere in space? And isn't it enough that you have to stay up until three in the morning wrapping gifts 
and you, you have to say they're from another person and you don't get to claim credit for the stuff you buy your kids on Christmas morning. Now some idiot who came up with this in 2004 is making a billion dollars a day. They're telling us all that now we have to spend a tenth of our life essentially at night rearranging this this little gnome. Mm-hmm. It's just it's idiotic. I think it's, it's a little creepy. What age are you supposed to do that? Because like moving a, a toy around the house so that every time your kid wakes up, it's somewhere else like it's Annabelle. Mm-hmm. That seems upsetting to me. And it, and it probably only works with a kid until they're four, right? I mean, right, because after kid... four, you know. Oh, no, there's there's people, there's friends of mine on Facebook that are doing it for their 10, 11, 12-year-olds. But those kids are stupid, aren't they? I mean, I, well, I'm not. I think they just want. But they're in on the joke. They like just want just the game. Thing. Yeah, they want uh, to see right. what the parents okay. are going to do. I thought do. you meant like, what? It moved again? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man. My daughter, my break. poor daughter's in that phase where she really wants that to still be true, but she knows better. Right. And I feel so bad for her. It's like I just see the magic dying inside of her. <laughs> you know, it, every time it comes up a little bit, she wants to believe. It's got to happen sometime. And, and she kind of purposely tries to, I don't know, she purposely tries to, uh, in those, I, even tonight she like took the, the, we have one of these ornaments that's like a bell from the bell from uh, Polar Express. Polar Express, and she was ringing it, you know, ringing it and you know, wanted to know if Kelly and I could hear it because that was the whole thing. If you don't hear the bell, it's because you don't believe in Santa anymore. And like so, Kelly and I kind of joked around with it, like it, it pretended we couldn't hear it. And I think she really wanted to believe that they she could hear it and we couldn't. Like she wanted that to be true. I could see why we all wanted yeah. Santa to be true. We all wanted that to be real, right? I mean, you want to at course. some point, you know, when you're when you're young, you wanted that to be real. Oh, absolutely. Right. And um, even when I knew it wasn't true, I still wanted, I still liked the idea of a Santa gift. I don't know. I don't know. I really aggressively wanted there to be an unknown and uncharted corner mm-hmm. of the earth in the larger sense. Yeah. yeah. Like I've always been a very sort of sober-minded scientifically minded child you think so, that when you die you just go to sleep so i mean talk about a sober mind like right. you believe in nothing i believe in nothing <laughs> uh, so i as a kid i extra was interested in bigfoot mm-hmm. and loch ness monster and ufos and santa because i really want the world to be less <laughs> horrible and, yeah. and straight ahead that I believe that it actually is. It's funny is. that you wanted all those things to be true, but like, probably not Jesus. No, I fought Jesus tooth and nail. <laughs> Go to CCD to be like, Jesus is real. I'd be like, he is not. Like you now let me that. read my book about the Yeti. <laughs> you were surrounded by people in your life that were trying to, that were trying Look. to get you to accept Jesus. <laughs> Look, it's pe- it's, that's, a, that's a picture of a guy in a dog costume, Matt. No, it's not. But look, there's a whole cathedral built to Jesus. Yeah, that's crap. <laughs> Fishes and loaves, that's it. preposterous. Let's talk about the Mothman prophecies. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was always, I always as a kid used to, you know, when I'd drive through the country to go to my grandmother's house and drive, you know, past uh, just hundreds and hundreds of acres of farmland and, you know, see tree lines a mile away. Like, I always used to wonder, like, what's on the other side of that tree line? Like, what's on? I wonder what's on the other side of that. I wonder if there's a town over there. I wonder if there's 
something I don't even know about yet. Like maybe there's a, you know, a soda shop or a, a, I don't know, a shooting range or anything. (laughs) And then you get to a certain age and, you know, and in high school you get your license and you explore all those areas and you realize it's just farmland on the other side of that, or it's your house and you had no perspective at the time of what was where. And I think that is, was one of the saddest things for me, which I think is sort of similar in that you just realize that, yeah, everything is just sort of butted up against everything else. Everything's normal. If you go, if you go and you lived in Bruges for six months, Bruges would be normal, right? (laughs) If you joined ISIS after a while, you'd be like, yeah, we just kill people and uh, we're all getting virgins. Like I, I think, to an extent, I'm not, I'm not condoning that. But what I am saying is that I think there's a mundanity to everything. There, there is. A, yes, there yeah. is absolutely, absolutely a mundanity. So did me. you buy the elf? Is elf going to. Hell no. Did you need. No, to I did not buy that elf. Oh. I can't spend 30 bucks on something useless that's going to make me do work and that my kids don't need. They don't need that in their life. They don't need more ghosts and fairies that are, we're pretending are real. Especially one that's <laughs> going to, like, bully your kid into behaving. Right. Like, I don't need to explain that. Like, that's a I, terrible thing to teach them that, you know, if there's someone in their life that they feel should behave better, that they should, I don't know, bully them into it by threatening them. to you're not going to get it, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to get presents if this elf sees you. I think you it know. also confuses the cosmology mm-hmm. of Santa Claus. It's like uh, a lot of my non-Catholic friends are like, what's with you, Mary worshipers and the saints? Because if you've already got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, what are the saints doing? Like, why are they lobbyists <laughs> for God, which is what they are? Like, oh, I lost my keys. Well, I'm not going to pray to God for it. I'm going to pray to the patron saint of lost stuff who will go to God and, like, wait in a line and then get a sit down with God and be like – and pull out his portfolio and say, well, Matt Barese lost his keys. Can you do something about that for me? And that's what the elf on the shelf is. Like, we've already told the kids that Santa sees you when you're sleeping and knows when you're awake, and which really freaked me out as a kid because I didn't want him to see me pooping. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I thought about it a lot. <laughs> you really worried about him seeing you pooping. So when you were pooping, would you look out the window to see if, or like look in the cabinets? <laughs> or were you just sort of, would you finish quickly? Is he there? I think you... He's too disgusted to talk. Yeah. Well, it's not that I thought he was literally outside the window looking in. Like I would see a fat guy peering in the window. I thought he had more of an all-seeing eye, like Sauron. Okay. So I figured he could just – I don't know if he had a crystal ball or he was just omniscient, I, would, I guess. Like I've God. always viewed any all-seeing eye beings as like their eyes know not to look at you when you're pooping. Like they don't – you know, I just assume that they just can't go – What's Matt up to? Ah, oh, pooping again. Well, because otherwise Santa would have to see people pooping all the time. All so would God. the time. So it, like, uh, he's got it to set to like auto turn off. Yeah, like he's just not going to try to tune in if you're pooping. Or like, you know, we'll somehow know not to. <laughs> that makes know. sense. Maybe. I mean, if God made you, then it's not like he made you and there's this one part of you that he finds really disgusting. <laughs> right? right? God loves it when you poop. God right. you poop. Hey, it works. Look look what I did. Look what I did. It gets rid of everything it doesn't need. And Santa Claus is German, so he probably loves it when you poop as well. If you like the paternity test, please help us tell other people about it. 
You can subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, you can leave us a review. It's quick and it's easy. It improves our iTunes ratings and helps new listeners find us. Listener Laura UWS writes A-plus on the test. She says, my only complaint about this podcast is that I always want more. Once a week, my morning commute is made delightful by the dads. I was a fan of their previous podcast and was worried I would miss the obscenities, but the new format is even more engaging and entertaining. After experiencing death shakes with Todd, a vasectomy with Dave, and G.I. Joe collecting with Matt, I feel like a part of the family, F-U-O-M. Thank you, Laura. Thanks, Laura, from the Upper West Side. I think that's... uh. UWS is up the west side. Sounds about right. And read our monthly column, Viva Daddy, in Chicago Parent Magazine and the Paternity Test blog every week at Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. 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 And the Paternity Test blog every week at ChicagoParent.com. This week, sprinkle beards. And now it's time for holiday don'ts. It's not a holiday. It's the opposite of that. <laughs> All right. So we had a lovely Thanksgiving. My wife called. Uh, so this is about it's like September. My great aunt died. She passed away. And my wife called my mother and my mother was upset, which made my my wife upset. I guess. I don't know. I wasn't on the phone. And so the first thing out of my wife's mouth was and this is in September. She goes. Brenda, don't worry. We're going to come out there for Thanksgiving. Oh, we're going to come. And I'm, and I'm sitting on the couch, like and waving I'm, your I'm arms back and at forth. My wife, and I'm like, my eyes are getting big. He's giving her the like, slash across yeah, the throat. Yeah, you're giving yeah. her the cutoff like, sign. Doing? Why are you saying this? You can't promise things like that. And and she like looks. She goes, No, David, we are. You like, which made me sound like a jerk. She's saying this out loud. So my mom knows I'm saying no. And it was only because it's not that I didn't want to go home. It was because you don't promise that you're going to make a 13 hour drive two and a half months before you make that drive. And so with two, three year olds with two, three year olds and a wife. So that's been on my mind. That was on my mind all fall And the fall was this fall has been just stressful. All sorts of stuff going on. And I, it got to the point where I was really getting burnt. You know, two weeks ago, I was sort of reaching a point where I needed, like, I, I couldn't imagine getting in a car for 13 hours, 13 hours with people I love, with people that I would kill for, right? It's in, and because I needed this time to recuperate this Thanksgiving break. Because the holidays are coming, which December is just a nightmare, like a living nightmare for me. Plus, just school and teaching is just it's stressful because you're trying to get all this work done. And and by the way, around September, I called my sister and I'm like, hey, Nikki uh, put it in stone that we're going out to Salem for uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, what are you guys doing? She's like, well, we're going to go home for Christmas. I'm like, can you switch it to Thanksgiving? so she switches her plans oh no yes yes and uh you can see where this is going so then it gets to be i'm like uh, it was a couple days this is about a week before thanksgiving i'm like you know what i can't do this i can't i cannot get in a car and leave school 
to go get into a minivan to drive six hours to stay at a hotel to drive another 13 minus six hours to then go to Salem and then drive from house to house to house to house to house. And then, you know, have dinner, feel guilty about how I live 13 hours away, then get in the car, then drive eight hours, then drive another 13 minus eight hours and then go to school the next day. Like I couldn't, couldn't do it. So I waited as long as I possibly could. And I called my mom and I left her a message because she didn't pick up a couple times. <laughs> she knew, God. she knew. And I called my dad and luckily he didn't pick up because it's not, they don't have this conversation. You know, I don't want to, you know. And so I'm like, all right, so I'm off the hook with talking to my parents about it. I just, you like, use star six, seven when you called their houses so they think it was a telemarketer and not pick up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I called from like an eight, nine, seven number. So they thought it was porn. That porn's calling our house again. Don't pick up. <laughs> they thought it was 1993 pornographers. <laughs> then I'm like, you know what? I can't, I can't make, I can't make, cause this is what anxiety does to me. This is what stress does. Like I can't make 15 phone calls. I tried to call my parents, my siblings, I'll, I'll just email them. So I email everybody and I say in the email, listen, you already know what I'm going to say. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, pretty much. And I'm like, listen, I, it has been a whirlwind, very stressful fall. I, I need to get my head, my brain on straight. December is miserable every year. I, I need these five days to not be traveling to not be stressed out and I'm really sorry, but we're going to stay here. And, and that was it. And then you threw your phone in the garbage and never <laughs> and I threw my phone in the garbage. Uh-huh. Right. So your car I, on fire. Exactly. I lit my computer on fire and watched it burn. <laughs> no, they can't get a hold of me now. My computer's on fire. Hey Nick, can I borrow your computer? <laughs> <laughs> so the next day I see an email from my dad. He's like, hey, listen, I know, I know some people, you know, don't quite understand, but I'm like, wait a minute, we even don't quite understand. So, uh-huh. like, and then I, and then I, so then I switch over. I'm like, wait a minute, who didn't understand? And I see that there's a <laughs> an email from my sister, <laughs> the one that I had told that I was, uh, hey, what are you doing for Christmas? Uh, going home for Christmas. Why don't you switch that to Thanksgiving? She was, oh my God, she was ticked off. She She wrote and she replied all on it. Oh, uh, oh, I have no brother. I, right. <laughs> Except for my other brothers. They're Except okay. Except my other brothers. They're awesome. But I hate you. <laughs> and uh, she wrote, we had to change our plans. And, oh. you know, don't make don't make plans if you can't follow through on them. You know, oh, my God. She was so angry. She was so angry. And I haven't talked to her since then. Did uh, they still go for Thanksgiving or? Yeah, they drove out. Oh. Yeah, Are go. you going to go to Salem for Christmas? No. Okay. No, I can't. <laughs> so you're done. No, look, I can't. We can't <laughs> afford to fly. Yeah. We can't. <laughs> driving is too much. It, and you're probably not going to have to drive to your sister's house for Christmas either. Well, yeah, that's way, off the table. It's off the table. And she's getting married, <laughs> she's getting married in July, so she's probably going to save me that trip. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't even bother. My daughter's flower girls. Yeah. Or they were. And they were, yeah. They were. Honey, I got good news and I got bad news. Well, I'll give you the good news first. We don't <laughs> have to buy my sister a wedding present. 
It's the bad news. I don't have a sister anymore. <laughs> it's not that I don't want to see my family. It's it's quite the opposite. But uh, it's just it's too expensive to fly. And you guys need to all meet in the middle somewhere. So it's between <laughs> Salem, yeah. uh, upstate New York, and Washington D.C. Like in Pennsylvania somewhere. That's not really how my family does things. <laughs> like my family doesn't visit. They don't meet halfway. Like my my brother Dirk has been out, but no one else has been out. And we we've, we've lived here for I don't know a long time, like four years almost, three years almost, whatever. David, sorry, right. your 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 daughters are going to get to know your mom just fine through the pictures you show them, right? Well, that's the thing. I don't like I don't send pictures up much, just because I don't I don't do social media. I have an iPhone four because I don't want to buy a new phone, so I don't have any room for pictures on my phone. And the only pictures I take, I take with our camera. Camera. You're like the old Blackhawks owner who wouldn't let the games be broadcast on TV. Like if you want, <laughs> if you want to see the games, buy a ticket. Well, right? it's, so kind like, of, it's kind of it, right? <laughs> you want to see your grandkids get in the right. car? Get in the car. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't really feel that way, but that's kind of. I guess kind of the message I'm sending because I, <laughs> I'm not really into, I'm not really into sending pictures of my kids. Believe me, there's times when I don't want to do the hour, the one hour drive to to see grandparent. You know, to, well, yeah. to see. So we just had sort of a quiet week at home, and it was relaxing. And I, I rested up, and I'm ready for. I'm trying to have a better outlook on December. All right, it's, it's typically just a. Ugh, but just, well, yeah. you know, the holidays are. Uh, Time for coming together with family, so maybe you and your sister can patch things up by the holidays. Oh, I'm sure it's fine. And she had a right to be upset. Totally, totally. You know what? I think if you, I, I honestly think if that, if, if you just let her know that that you know you are absolutely right here, and and that that you apologize, whatever, if you want to apologize or not, but give her the satisfaction of knowing that she was she was right to be upset, but you just did, you just had to do what you had to do for your family. Yeah. For your own sanity and your family. Right. And I think she'll be fine, you know. Yeah. Either way, she's get she got to see your mom and uh and now she gets to stay home for Christmas. I did her a favor. Yeah. Now she, <laughs> exactly. You guys she got to travel out of the way in November when yeah. the weather wasn't bad. And now in December she gets to stay home. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. how she's gonna describe it when she spits on your grave. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you're still alive, she's gonna go. She's gonna go buy a plot, <laughs> put a headstone there that says Dave Ingle, so she can spit on it. <laughs> Social media isn't just for letting people know that you're giving away all of your profits, thanks to your new little baby. <laughs> it's also for us. Like our page on Facebook, share our posts, and follow us on Pinterest, on Instagram at the Paternity Test, and on Twitter at the Dad Test. He's giving away all his money. Yeah, he is. Like forty uh, some billion dollars or something like that. No, what does he mean? Does he mean ninety nine percent of a month's income? Because I read ninety nine percent. I'm like, boring, not happening. Right? I, I'm sure that that's misleading in some way. Right? It's not like he's not going to be okay. You know what I mean? Ninety nine percent of their Facebook shares is what he's giving away, which is currently valued at forty five billion dollars. He's giving it to who? Over the couple's lifetime. Oh. He's giving it away to tackling some of the world's most complex problems. Jeez, don't you know that? 
Maybe you can make it and it's a pledge. Party. Like it doesn't mean anything. It's a pledge. Yeah. Oh, okay. he's not bound by like some. They can't come knocking on his door in ten years. He goes, you, "Hey, you said you said you pledged, you pledged, you pledged." I pledge. I call NPR and pledge all the time, but I never pay up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it feels so good when you do it, though. I know, right? No, I really I have best of intentions. Guys, hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm good for a thousand dollars. <laughs> a month. That's right. No, it's nothing. It's nothing. You guys are great. Yeah. Say hi to say credit hi to card. Ins- no, no, no. We'll get you. We'll, we'll, no. So I'll with you later. <laughs> what was that? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I've never done that. That would. I want to do it just to have the feeling, like in my heart. I don't think you can get away. You used to be able to just pledge something and then never pay up, but now you you pay immediately. There's no pledging. You can also pledge to send us a question or a comment for the Paternity Test Mailbag. Just email us at paternitypodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at our phone number, 657-BAD-DADS. And now it's time for Laser Tag and Pizza Robots, where we'll give you a pinch to grow an inch and then get slapped with a restraining order. So you know how you know I was at a birthday party today? Because it's a day that ends in Y? Exactly. (laughs) It's uh, what this side is the, of the age, week, man. It? I remember it. I remember it. Birthday yeah. party. Every weekend was birthday parties. Saturday, Sunday, birthday parties. Every weekend. It, you know, it's just the way it is. You're just at that age now. Well, you're not. Your, da- your daughter's at that age. Yes. Yeah, I'm at, the, I'm at the age where my knees hurt and I cry myself to sleep every night. She's <laughs> at the age where she goes to birthday parties all the time. Uh, yeah. We but you're out, you're out like 80 bucks a week on birthday parties right now. Yep, we go to the giant pile of Goldie Blocks and we grab one off the top and throw it in the bag. <laughs> we had a student, uh, we, my wife and I were both coaching a high school kid. Uh, she was teaching him to sing, I was teaching him how to act. And, uh, and he, he was a moneyed young fellow. So he had a lot of private coaches and that's how moneyed young people are. They have like a riding coach and a swimming coach and, right? Mm-hmm. And his parents kept, they bought, you know, the, the Godiva, box that looks like a giant gold bullion with some jingle bells on the top and it's oh it's about a forty dollar it's like a 36 dollar godiva box and she kept them stacked like it was the fort knox of godiva (laughs) and she just on his way out to each lesson she'd hand him a godiva box and he'd give that to that teacher and that's like what december is in like that's december on the north shore you go to the Godiva room and you pull a gold box off the top and you take it and you give it to your riding instructor. And that's how we are with the Goldie Blocks. Just throw Goldie Blocks in a gift bag, walk out the door to the party. Today is Wednesday and I was at a birthday party on a Wednesday night. This was at Lou Melnati's Pizzeria. And the interesting thing about this one, so the birthday girl was turning four. She's a close friend of Vivian's, Vivas, and they were having a good time. It was a inside out theme. Uh, so all the adults could cry while all the children laughed at the women. Oh, my God. I just saw this movie with my kids two days ago. Yeah, we just saw it, too. And I couldn't stop crying, and my kids <laughs> were three. So they have no idea what's going on. Because it's really – it's it's only a vehicle for a, adult human tears. It's, That's it's, all it is. It's barely for kids at all, like on yeah. any level. Were they even excited to watch it? No. No, because there's well, one of the characters is depressed girl, and the other mm-hmm. one is happy girl, and all they do is constantly run into roadblocks 
mm-hmm. that last 10 seconds. And then they run into another roadblock the last 10 seconds. And they, another one, like it's a cool concept, but you don't get to know the girl at all. There's a very, it's a thinly veiled plot just so that you can have a couple alien ish characters talk to each other with famous voices. Um, but well, every Pixar movie, every Pixar movie is amazing world building, but the mm-hmm. plot is actually just like one long chase sequence or like yes. series of, of action. Set Absolutely. Pieces. So like the Bali, first 20 minutes of yeah. every Pixar is unbelievable Nemo. because they've yes. built such a great world. And then the act the second act, the central hour of the movie is almost interminable. You're absolutely right. It's a really good point because you've got Wally, you've got Nemo, you've got Toy Story. They're all Monsters, Inc., like the first half hour, you're like, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. And then there's an hour where you're like, wow, get on with it. And then (laughs) it wraps up. Oh, no, I've got to get across town. Oh, no, I've got to get back to Monsterland. Oh, no, I've got to go find my kid on the other side of the ocean. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I like a girl that lives in space. (laughs) Oh, no, I got to get back to the girl's core center where I can be happy, make her happy again. They're oh, no, I got to get thing. this house to that cliff. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, a, journey, them. a literal journey. Every single one of them. <laughs> nice job, Pixar. Slow clap for you, Brad Bird. Yeah. <laughs> John Lasseter. Here's your snaps. Yeah. I do like their movies, but I re- this was too far. I think it I'm going to too- stop watching them after the first half hour from now on. It was just too pandering. It was just. My the wife loves thing, it because the little anger guy, what's his emotion? Hate? Anger. Louis Black? Yeah. He's anger. Yeah. He's anger? Yeah. Uh, my wife says that's me. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's you. That's the only emotion you have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's you. I mean, if I had to pick one. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if my hands were, you know, if I had a gun to my head <laughs> and they also said, say whatever you want. <laughs> say, say what you would say even if you weren't holding this gun right and say you were the pretend i'm not guy. here yeah <laughs> well the <laughs> horrible movie so we're at the inside out pizza party and the mother of the birthday girl is like 14 months pregnant and she walks in and she says oh i just came from my doctor and uh, my contractions are 15 minutes apart. And we're like, wait, so you're going to have a baby yeah. at this pizza party? And she's like, you know, you know, later. <laughs> and so we're eating pizza and we're eating cupcakes and we're and you're playing with blues. And, Yeah, exactly. No. She like goes to the bathroom and she comes back and she's holding her head in her hands. And she calls her husband who had to work late tonight. And she's like, come pick me up. My contractions are five minutes apart. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. And we... Like the party did kind of reach its natural conclusion, but then she went straight to the hospital to have a baby. Wow. So you didn't go get it, your catcher's mitt out of the trunk. Like, all right. Well, yeah, she like answered. She like called her husband and put the phone down. And I said, hey, do I need to scrub up? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Someone a, boil some water. Give me some towels. That's Let's, a great way to get out of paying the bill at Lumen Lattes, by the way. Oh, yeah. 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 This woman's having a baby. Everybody, chaos. Like, knock over some drinks, run out of the room. <laughs> Quick, someone pull a fire alarm. This woman's having a baby. Wow. <laughs> Saved like 45 bucks. Did she have the baby? She actually had it at the hospital? I'm assuming she's having it right now at time of recording. Oh, right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. And she was going to Swedish Covenant Hospital, which she, she said is where um, 
Harrison Ford was born. Really? And so we were saying, well, that's cool. So you have to name your kid Han Harrison. or Harrison or Solo or, or Indy yeah. or Solo. And we said, those are great, great options. Not or Henry. Henry. Name oh, him Henry. at the yeah. same time. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine you have a kid that you get a chance to name after a, a character by the actor who's played the most compelling characters in the history of film and you name him after the character he played in that movie where he and Anne Hazier stuck on an island. <laughs> island of despair. She was about to have the baby in Lou Melati's and we're like, look, you got to get to that hospital or you're going to have a kid named Lou instead of a kid named Han Solo. So did she take a cab? Uber. She Ubered it. <laughs> we took a cab to the hospital. It wasn't so bad. Did well, she... you're just asking to have the baby in the cab if you call a cab. Yeah. But it was three in the morning and we were in New York. So that's yeah, really, you're going to have a baby either in a hospital or in a cab. It's the only place you're going to, the only place you can, it's, I mean, it's so gauche to have it on the sidewalk. So well, the we good were, news right, is they don't have alleys. So you can't yeah. even, you know, in New York, you can't right. even have it next to a dumpster. In, in right. To, you're right. If you're a decent person would find a, a quiet side street, but uh, there are none. So. The good news right, is so your your cab driver was probably a doctor in the country he used to live in before he came to America. He came here to live off the right, live off of other people's before he for the American dream, non-existent fat of the land. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. So it was this, pretty wild. It was very emotional. Like when he sang "Happy Birthday," and then she burst into tears because she realized that this is like not her two birthday. birthdays, like her and, other and kids' birthday. birthday. Right. Yeah, boy, she's gonna save money on cake now. Oh, she's going to have oh want. the most hateful children. They're going to hate her for what, having come, a combined birthday. Yeah, because they're not twins. If they were twins, it'd mm-hmm. be awesome. But they're not. Like sharing a birthday. I share a birthday with Jesus, and it sucks. I can't imagine <laughs> sharing all the a attention. birthday with my sibling and knowing, <laughs> knowing as I get every time you get excited that your birthday is coming. You're also thinking about how your brother is going to steal part of your birthday. Mm. You know what I mean? You're going to know that like when your dad looks at his checkbook and he thinks about buying you that thing you want, he also has to think about buying you your jerk brother, his thing that he wants. That right, so you better start me. thinking small when it comes to gifts because yeah. you're getting half. That would eat at me like a cancer, dude. That would <laughs> be horrible. <laughs> Yeah, you're never gonna get the uh, you're never gonna get the performer that you want. Like if she wants Elsa to come, but he wants SpongeBob to come, right? You're not gonna get SpongeBob and Elsa, so you're gonna end up with a magician, and nobody wants that. Nobody wants the magician. <laughs> nobody wins. Nobody wins. Are you happy now? <laughs> the magician here. Not even the magician wins because it's someone hiring the magician, which is keeping him from realizing he's failed and he needs to go get a better job. Well, folks, it's time for another episode of The Paternity Test to put socks on the kids and chase them down the hardwood steps. Follow us on Twitter at The Dad Test, like us on Facebook, and visit our website, paternitypodcast.com, or email us at paternitypodcast at gmail.com. And catch us Tuesdays at chicagoparent.com, and call our voicemail, 657-BAD-DADS. Tell your friends about the show. Consider a donation to the show via our PayPal link at paternitypodcast.com. All right, Dad, wherever you are, I hope the beer is free and the crapper is open. And until next time, best of luck passing the paternity test. (laughs) 